Welcome to All Things IDD. Today, I have Brandi Williams, the Director of IDD Provider Services at Helen Fairview Centers here in Wichita Falls. Brandi is going to talk with us about some of the services that Helen Fairview provides. Hope you enjoy our talk. All right, Brandi, thank you so much for joining us on All Things IDD today. Can you introduce yourself for everybody? My name is Brandi Williams. I am the Director of IDD Provider Services for Helen Farabee. We service 19 counties across our catchment area, and we're the ones that are responsible for delivering the services. Uh, Helen Farabee actually provides a lot of community services. They do substance abuse, mental health uh, counseling. They do early childhood intervention services, which is the ECI program. I do IDD services. We are a provider of services that is a choice. However, my counterpart is run by Kayla Rose, who is the LIDA or the local IDD authority. It's kind of the gatekeeper for all IDD services. So if you are needing help in our area, that is your starting point. As far as the services, um, provider services that Helen Farabee deals with, we have basically two programs that we administer. One is ICF which stands for an intermediate care facility. We have one ICF group home here in Wichita Falls. It's a six bed facility. It's co-ed with men and women living together, um, of course, grouped by gender. Uh, With ICF, your main function is to provide active treatment. We want to hopefully teach some skills to help the folks be as independent as possible. But because of ICF, you do have rules. So you have house rules that you must abide by. Um, you want a kind of homogenous group of folks living together so that you can eliminate some behavioral issues. Everyone does attend Dayhab, and we do have a couple of choices. Um, Hero House and the Art does being one of them. And then our other program we administer is HCS, or Home Community-Based Services. Some people refer to it as the Cadillac of services, and that being said, there's several different options under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. People can choose to live in their own home independently, and that's an own home or family home module. Mm-hmm. With that, um, Helen Farabee Center, uh, we make contact quarterly, check to make sure that everything's going okay. We can provide transportation. We can also do um, passive habilitation assistance or pass hab, which means we send someone into your home to make sure maybe your meds are being taken correctly, mm-hmm. that the cleanliness of your home is where it needs to be, or teach you how to make sure that your home is clean and orderly so that it doesn't become a hazard. Mm-hmm. Um, if something breaks in your house, you let us know and we help you get the funds to fix it through either adaptive aids or home modifications. Um, things of that nature. Also under that HCS umbrella is a host home where you can have someone live in your house, no more than three people, Mm -hmm. but three people who can live in your house. Um, It's kind of almost a roommate situation. Mm -hmm. That person will pay the host home provider um, room and board. And then they also submit paperwork for us to show us what are you doing every single day that that person is in your house. And then we pay you based off of that person's level of need. But as the host home provider, you provide the transportation. Mm-hmm. You provide um, all of the extras mm-hmm. to say. Is it almost kind of, uh, would it help people understand if it was more of like a foster care situation? It, or it used like to that? actually be called foster care. Oh, okay. It yeah. was similar to adult foster care, but they renamed it mm-hmm. host home. At one point it was called com- companion care. Mm-hmm. So host home, companion care, adult foster care are all very, very similar in nature. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 
And is the goal of HCS and really, I mean, ICF and all of um, the waiver programs to promote independence as much as possible for Always. every individual? Always. We want them to be as independent as possible. Um, and that looks different depending on what your goals are. Um, for some people, it might be they may have some physical limitations and we um, coordinate the therapy services to make them more physically independent. For some, it might be able just to know how to go online and pay their own bills, mm-hmm. those type of things. So sure. that picture, it's ever-changing and evolving for that level of independence. And depending on the person's goals, it looks different because mm-hmm. it's individualized. Mm-hmm. And so I know within the ICF group homes, and forgive me, it's been a little bit since I've been to the meetings, um, but like ARD is for kids. What do y'all do for the ICF folks? For ICF, you have, it's supposed to all be person-directed planning. So it is a PDP. PDP, um, And all the acronyms kind of just, wow, it's overwhelming. like if I'm out of it for a little bit, I'm like, I just maybe blocked all of the acronyms out of my head. Right. So many. With the, like you said, with ARD for kids, that's your admission review and dismissal process. Um, What we start out with, and again, it goes through the LIDA, who is the gatekeeper of that. Mm -hmm. In order to qualify for those services, you do a DID or a determination of intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. From there, um, if you qualify for a program, you will have an ICAP, Mm -hmm. which is an individual client assessment profile. That assigns the person's level of need based off of their current functioning level. Mm-hmm. And then that determines their level of need, which makes difference in their payment, essentially. Um, why the state of Texas chose to make their level of need scale so complicated, like I don't one, know. One, three, five, seven, it, it's, nine. It, <laughs> close. It, it's, it's one, five, eight, six, nine. <laughs> Yeah, so you didn't have a chance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. It's you know, it's not user-friendly for yeah. the outside person. Mm-hmm. And I will say, Arlita does a great job of explaining that. Mm-hmm. And then if you choose Helen Farabee as your provider, we'll also kind of help, or try to help, fill in the blanks mm-hmm. to make it all make sense. Yeah, sure. And um, so going back to HCS and talking about it being like the Cadillac of services, Um, you know, that's something that I've been really passionate about spreading the word on is our Medicaid waiver wait list Mm -hmm. in Texas. I mean, it's embarrassing. Uh, It's embarrassing. (laughs) It's daunting. It's heartbreaking Mm -hmm. for families. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another really sad thing is you have families that have put their child on a waiting list Mm -hmm. They are doing everything the right way. They have their child in, in early childhood intervention or ECI services. They are going through the public school system or PPCD program to start school early. They've got them in all the right programs. They are nurturing them, loving their child, and taking care of them in hopes that these funds are going to be released for them. Mm-hmm. And then because you have someone who is maybe in what the state deems an institutional setting, mm-hmm they sometimes get to jump ahead of you. Or a diversion slot, which may be deemed a crisis. However, you have done everything right, and and you continue to sit and wait. Mm -hmm. And it it is. It's heartbreaking for those families. Yeah, and I think for people that maybe um, they're not a parent or they're not in this field, like, I guess, could you just explain? um, So I know ICF, we talked about that. People can get an immediate spot in that. Um, but not everybody wants to live in a group home setting and there's not a ton of options here. So, you know, I've heard of people having to move to another city, uh, away from family or loved ones. Um, 
And so with HCS, it can be just such an ideal situation to be able to live at home with your parents. They're already taking care of you. Mm -hmm. And then for them to be able to be paid to cover expenses and care for you. I mean, that is ideal. So would you mind just sharing like, um, I guess just like how, how difficult it makes life for those that are on the wait list for an unknown amount of time, because you see the benefit of the program. So I'm curious, just like from your perspective as a provider, like how is this hurting Texans having to wait for these services? Well, I think essentially if you, if you're a parent and you have someone in the public school system or if, if in a private school, even you think my child is safe during the day, I can work um, my regular job. I know where they are. And then once you come home, you care for your child and your your life flows. You're mm-hmm. used to it. Mm-hmm. However, once that child turns 22 and they no longer have those school resources available for them, what are you going to do with your child mm-hmm. if you have to work to support your family? Mm-hmm. Um, the flip side of that is you you can pay, private pay if you want to, for a day hub service mm-hmm. um, that you're paying out of pocket. If you can hang on and you can wait to get your your turn, your slot comes mm-hmm. becomes available, you are paid to take care of your adult child. Um you may have them at home with you and you have to provide transportation, but their day have services that you may have been paying for out of pocket are covered. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a decline in health or they need a new wheelchair. They need um, handrails in the shower or in, in the toilet to, to help them get up. Maybe they need side rails on their beds. The HCS service will pay for those. Mm-hmm. Um, they're called adaptive aids vitamins, protein shakes, those type of things are also adaptive aids that the HCS program will take care of. If you need therapy services, the HCS program will help you with that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many benefits to it that can be tailored to your needs. But the hard thing is, is just waiting for your turn to come up when the list is in the thousands. Mm -hmm. And you will get an update every year and you can see your your name move hopefully up the list, but some years it moves big steps Mm -hmm. and some years it doesn't move quite so Mm -hmm. many. Yeah, because um, if I remember correctly, I mean, it's somewhere, I think around 160,000, 170,000. Yeah. On on not just HCS, but all Medicaid waivers. It is. And um, as I heard on the news the other day that like, I think the world is going to hit the eight billionth person or or something for... uh, population Mm -hmm. so think about as as thing you know as texas grows which Mm -hmm. we are a fast growing state that list is going to grow for the need of people needing services Mm -hmm. Um, like you said in contrast to that icf there is no wait list right you still do have to qualify for services but with hcs if someone chooses you as a provider if your name is out there and you say hey we want to do business in the state of texas as an hcs service provider if you are chosen then that is your client Mm -hmm. there is not a refusal with icf there is a refusal Mm -hmm. you can actually look at um, some pre-placement packet information you can you know gather information and look as as a provider look at that person to see hey is this going to work in my house um if you obviously have a home um full of more sedentary, maybe um, older folks living there, and you have a 15 or 16-year-old kid who needs placement, you can refuse that service mm-hmm. to that person. Mm-hmm. And then, as you mentioned, they may have to go out of your you know, out of your service area or out of your location that you're looking 
mm-hmm. to, to place your child yeah. or your loved one. Um, and then outside of ICF and HCS, are you over like class, Texas Home Living? For What's... Helen Fairby, we don't offer class services mm-hmm. or Texas Home Living. Okay. Um, there is, it seems to be a trend, and, and I may be talking out of turn, but there seems to be a trend of a lot of providers who are no longer doing Texas Home Living. Oh, interesting. Um, Helen Faraby Center, we've recently signed contracts with three um, providers because a local provider who did Texas Home Living has relinquished their contract. Oh. And so other smaller places are picking up and they don't have Dayhab. And then one of the contracts that we signed to provide Dayhab services to Texas Home Living contract folks um, notified us Monday, whoops, there's not a reimbursement rate that we want to deal with. And oh, so wow. they have also stopped. So that program is seeing a little less traffic. And, wow. and I don't know the logistics because, again, since Helen Faraby doesn't provide it, I'm not in the sure. know. yeah. Man, and how unfortunate for those families, too. Because They're now scrambling. What do, they, what do they do? Like, all of a sudden, it just stops. They're scrambling so, to, to find somebody who will accept their waiver. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you mentioned parents that were doing everything right and they're in early child care ECI and mm-hmm. um in the sped sped program at school um what what I guess is the right path so when a parent finds out their child has a disability what are the steps that are the I, right steps <laughs> I would urge that parent as soon as you have an inkling that your child needs services get in contact with your the, our local LIDA and they can gear you in the right direction. Of course, ECI services are going to be key, um, and that is birth through age three, um, to hopefully maybe get a head start on you know what services are available. And sometimes it's just minor delays that can be over. You can overcome those. You can learn to cope, and you know you won't have any further issues. But you've got to go through your local. IDD authority Mm -hmm. to find out what is available to you and to get your name on that interest waiver list. I had heard story after story of parents that just didn't know that process. They don't. They don't know. There were parents of high schoolers that were like, so what is the list that I need to get on? Or I don't need to put my child on the list. They'll, They'll be living with me and, you know, we have the funds to cover it. So what would you say to those parents you are entitled to put your child on that list and it's not a government handout by any any means I know some people think oh you know Medicaid no Mm -hmm. no um, no we'll take care of our own your child is entitled to those benefits Mm -hmm. Um, I urge you to use those and no one wants to think about um, death, but it's going to happen to all of us. So we can't cheat it. That's right. <laughs> what are you going to do for your child if you have not made plans? Right. Um, that might be taken out of your hands at some point in time because either you cannot physically take care of them or you, you pass away suddenly. If your child is on that interest list, you're safeguarding them, hopefully, a, a place and the funds mm-hmm. to help maintain their quality of life and make it better um, with some independent living skills it's kind of a safety net too. kind of how I see it and maybe would play it myself would just just get on the list and then if your name gets to the top and you don't want the services you can always say no exactly exactly you You might as well throw your name on I mean it's not exactly so I know um Again, it's kind of, I think, a generational thing. My parents are in their 70s, and they, my parents don't understand what I do. And my mom was shocked when I said, you know, one of the programs I administer, mommy said, you know, once 
a person, their name comes up on the list and they're an adult, that parent can take care of, of their child and be paid for it. And my mom was shocked because when my mother was growing up, if you had someone that might have IDD or back in the old days when we called it mental retardation, mm-hmm. you put your child in you put your child somewhere because you couldn't take care of it. Yeah. But now there are resources available to support you as the parent and your child mm-hmm. to keep that family unit together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually part of my family's story is um, my dad's brother had the diagnosis of mental retardation. Um, he passed away, I think, before that was changed to IDD. But um, what year was that? Do you know by chance? Oh, gosh. Now that it I was, think about it. It was in the... Uh, early 2000s I believe okay so it was because I, I right st- around there I was started at my first job um, I had worked for ECI briefly mm. and then my first job working with adults um, I was a QMRP a qualified mental retardation professional oh, wow yeah. <laughs> and that was in so 1999 mm-hmm. so it's evolved since then yeah well and so um, yeah he would have passed away somewhere around there but whenever he was fairly young my grandmother put him at the Denton State School Mm -hmm. um and that was like best care possible at at the time like that was premium that was it um and he lived there for the rest of his life um and yeah now it's moving away from that and I just I think about that because it was so special to me whenever my uncle Tim would come and get to stay with my grandma and I would get to see him and we would watch CMT and (laughs) uh he would chew gum and draw on pens and paper and then stuff his trash under the cushions (laughs) Um, and it was always so special getting to spend time with him but it wasn't ever really it wasn't an option Um, HCS I don't think was a thing at that point and so man just like how amazing it could be to have keep families together Um, I agree and, and they would be able to afford to do that because of the services so um man it's so important and it so is. good. And I appreciate you and what you do so much. It's so valuable to our community. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I really am passionate about this field. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you know what is meant for you. And I know I'm meant to be in this field. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's, uh, you know, something that I miss getting to be at um, the ARC every day and be a part of it. But it's... It's such um, a beautiful group of people that we get to work with in the IDD field. And it, it's such a small world, too. Um, it, you, It's just amazing, I guess, the IDD professional group. Mm-hmm. You can move from provider to provider. It's like, oh, my gosh, I, we used you as an occupational therapist yes. one time. Oh, my gosh, I know the psychologist. And it's like these are people who genuinely care. They're not just mm-hmm. in it for a paycheck. They mm-hmm. they stay in this field when they could go into private practice or do something much mm-hmm. more lucrative, but this is where their heart and soul mm-hmm. is. It's so true. And, yeah, I just I think about all of the members that we get to serve at the ARC or all of the clients that you get to serve at Helen Farabee, and they just – they make this whole world a better place. And it's like any chance you get to be a part of it um, is is amazing. And, um, yeah, I, you, you get so tired sometimes of telling people what field you're in and you get that reaction. Oh, bless your heart. No, it's not like that. <laughs> you are just a special person to be doing what and, you do. And, and it's, it's, like, it's not like that. I mean, there are some of the people we serve that you do, you dearly love. And there's some people, they may not be your favorites. Because I think the bottom line is they are people. 
And that being said, with them being people, you, you just have preferences. And, um, you know, no matter what you do in this field, we are not trying to control them because they all have the rights and the choices to be independent individuals. And some of those folks you like more than the others, mm-hmm. but just knowing that you make a difference and, and doing the best you can to make them independent, mm-hmm. um, it's worth it. What is in your day-to-day or week-to-week, what's one of the favorite parts of your job that you have? I honestly, I love to go to Helen Farabee's ICF group home. Um, because you walk in and because I am not there every single day, but they're all, Hey, what are you doing? What did you, what did you do today? Let me tell you what I did today. Um, sometimes they want to tell on staff or tell on one of their roommates, but just being an ear for those folks, mm-hmm. it's, I grew, I'm an only child. So I grew up without having that camaraderie. Yeah. Um, I have two kids of my own and sometimes you, sometimes you want to listen more than others, but to go into a home where there's, you know, five other people currently living there and they call you by name and they're just excited that you came to see them and to tell you what's going on in their life. It's a nice break from my everyday, yeah. what I do in the office. Yeah. Um, anytime you see a job fair for Helen Farabee, please come out and apply. Um, we have wonderful benefits. We recently had a job fair, but always be on the lookout for more. Um, you will not find a company that does more um, team building, great holidays, all of that good stuff. Um, just come be a part of it. And even if you're not looking for a job, we do look for volunteers from time to time too. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good. Thank you so much for joining us, Brandy. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us today. As we enter the year end and holiday season, we have set a goal of obtaining 100 recurring donors for 2023. Head to our Facebook page or to the link in the show notes to become one of the 100 people partnering with us. Meta. Meta will match your second recurring donation and they don't take any credit card fees out from us. This could look like you giving $5, $10, $15 a month. And let me tell you, that makes a huge impact for us. We would greatly appreciate it if you would consider doing this for us. We hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. As always, be good to yourself.